0: hey everyone how you doing this is amon green green bay packers all-time leading rusher and you're listening to the
1: average cheese hosted by dale and todd two lifelong packer fans talking about their favorite team the 13-time champion green bay packers go pack go what the hell's going
0: on out here everybody's grabbing out there
1: Nobody-
0: trouble it's gonna get there he turned 32 yesterday does he have a vintage moment in, in the end zone Welcome
2: to episode 101 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobo, with Peter Jones and Todd Widener. The whole family is here for episode 101. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at r Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. You can find us on Twitter at ABG Cheese. You can find us at www.abgcheese.com And you can email us, abgcheese at gmail.com if you have questions. Peter, it's episode 101. There has only been one number one in Packer
1: history. I'm excited as well. <laughs> there has indeed. It's a very it's a very apt number one. If there was one player that you would think would be the ideal number one in Packers history, Earl Lewis Lambeau is the only player to wear number one for the Packers. Curly I've Lambeau already learned
2: ball. something. Earl Lewis Lambeau, not yes, Curly. Sir? Continue, please. <laughs>
1: yeah curly's the only number one in packers history and it's a number that ought to be retired by the way just going off subject i think that's a number that they that they ought to retire i mean it's clearly unofficially been retired since nobody else has ever worn it but it's a number that ought to be formally retired i think you know everybody thinks about him as a as a coach won six nfl championships which is tied for the most of any coach in NFL history with Hallis and Belichick, but he was a player as well. In the 1920s, played halfback position, was the first player to throw a pass for the Packers in the NFL, was the first player to throw a touchdown pass for the Packers, and was also the first player to kick a field goal for the Packers in their NFL history. Made the, made the 1920s all-decade NFL team as a player. Was a decent player in his day before concentrating <laughs> on becoming a coach and becoming the great coach that we know that he was and Obviously, a huge, huge figure in Packers history, and I've heard there's a stadium named after him as well. What else can we say about him that that hasn't hasn't already been been written? People overlook his playing prowess because we know him as that coach, as that guy that was there from right right from the beginning. Super player at Green Bay East High School, played a year in in Notre Dame under Newt Rockney brought that Notre Dame box back to the Packers and ran that Notre Dame box offensive system with the Packers for many years as the coach. Lots and lots of history and, like, like we say, the, on, the only guy to wear number one for the Packers and should remain so.
0: Probably playing with no face masks and leather oh, yeah. helmets. And- yeah.
2: There's absolutely no reason they should have the number one right. available for anyone.
0: Think of that. I mean, that's crazy.
2: Make it happen, Green Bay, right away, because we said so. Because Peter said so, and we agree with Peter. Okay. (laughs) The end. Oh, we got a bunch of slices. So today, November 1st, was the trade deadline in the NFL. The Packers, of course, have done fucking nothing today. Shocking.
0: Yep. I had zero anticipation. Right. Zero. I mean, didn't even track on it. I know nothing's gonna happen
2: no one's shocked by that. They did release Patrick Taylor and Kobe Jones today. Peter, your guy Kylan Hill is on the way up. Yes.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm my guess is since he's been practicing for a couple of weeks now that the reason for releasing Taylor was is to activate Kylan Hill. And my guess again is that Taylor will end up back on the practice squad. Yeah, hopefully.
0: I don't I mean, know I a lot about
1: was... that guy, but just looking at that guy, I mean he is a that guy's put together. I feel kind of disappointed that your third back, whoever it is, doesn't get the odd opportunity to to play. But I guess we've been moaning about Aaron Jones not getting the ball. So the chances of your third back getting the ball are pretty damn right. slim. <laughs> yes, this is- zero.
2: I just think that the Packers must see something in Kylan Hill that's very exciting to them. Because I do think Patrick Taylor is a good player too, Todd. I, I'm with you on that. I've always thought he was a I don't want to say an above average player because that's not true, or he'd be on the roster for sure, right? Or he'd be on someone's roster. But I think he is a serviceable back that can play in the NFL and may get a chance somewhere in the NFL at some point. I just really think the Packers are high on Kylan Hill. And let's make it happen. He's been practicing for a couple weeks. I think he gets, what, three weeks from when he starts practicing. They then have to bring him up to the roster. That time is coming quick, and I don't know what Kobe Jones did or didn't do that... That Green Bay
1: cut him. That's a little bit strange. Well, that's really strange because they elevated him this past week and he played on Sunday night. Yeah. Right. So he was good enough to be elevated from the practice squad to play on Sunday night. And here we are a day and a half later and he's released altogether. That's very odd.
2: So the rest of the division made moves today. The Lions traded TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings for. I don't know for a condi- T.J. T- Hawkinson in a fourth rounder conditional for a second and a third, a second this year, a third next year. Peter,
1: thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I would say that that's about right. He was a high first round pick, what, two or three years ago now, and everybody was really high on him. Hasn't quite panned out there. He had some injuries in his first year. It's, it's one of those trades where you can understand if you're the Lions, for example, you can understand them wanting to pick up draft capital. They may feel Undoubtedly, feel that there's other positions that are of greater greater need. So, come the draft, they'll have another second second round pick, and next year they'll have a or in 2024 they'll have another third round pick. So, you can see that. And if you're the Vikings sitting there at six and one now, seven and one, I don't know what their record. is. Six, six and, and one, one, yeah. Right? They're clearly thinking, perhaps, just perhaps, that this is this is their year in the NFC, where there's them and Philadelphia, and then a bunch of other teams. Dallas, you want to throw in there, but. But you could see any one of those teams progressing deep into the playoffs, and I guess if you're the Vikings, you're saying, "Why not? We'll go, we'll go all in this year, and if Hawkinson can help that, then let's let's go for it." So I I can understand that trade from both sides.
0: Got any thoughts on that? Well, just the all in uh, philosophy, right? I don't know. For me, it's it's strange when you start looking through how draft picks really pan out. I mean, there's there's a percentage of first round picks that will ever really come to fruition right it's kind of a crapshoot and then as you get down into the later rounds second third fourth fifths and then you see these name brand players being traded for fourth round picks and stuff i'm just thinking to myself are they just going to package that up and like send it off in some other deal? Cause I, I don't really see like TJ Hawkinson is much more serviceable than a fourth round pick to me. He's I mean, proven
2: himself to do something,
0: right? Yeah. He, and I mean, he obviously can start in this league He can make a roster and I'm sure there's money involved, right? You got to pick up the, the player's contract you got to pay that out or whatever and, and maybe it's a rookie contract but so there's all all different kinds of i guess scenarios today i started to kind of realize that when i started looking through all the different trades throughout the nfl i'm like really does like a fifth round pick like fifth round picks just like it's a very low percentage that you will ever see those guys ever even fourth or thirds or i mean hell i mean even firsts but not us
2: and i think that's the frustration as packer fans The Bears traded Roquan Smith and then picked up Chase Claypool in the same day, essentially. I don't understand that at all. And I get that Roquan Smith is about to get paid and you don't want to pay him maybe in this position that the Bears are in. Not really contenders, probably not contenders next year. But then why do you go out and grab Chase Claypool? Like, what have you done? You've made your offense better and your defense worse. I don't understand giving up a second round pick for Chase Claypool, who I think is a clown. I mean, I've said that many times. They either think so highly of George Pickens or they think so lowly. That's not even a word. But they don't think much of Chase Claypool to dump them already. I just don't what, understand the Bears What did here. they
0: pay for Claypool?
2: Second round pick.
0: Now yeah, they are stacked with picks next year. And maybe the the Roquan Smith move was to clear space for Justin Fields, who's going to get paid. He's not going to be – he'll still be in his last year. He's got a couple
2: years, right? He's got two years left on his contract. Mm -hmm. Essentially, they gave up Roquan Smith for Chase Claypool because they got a second-round pick from the Ravens. They gave up a second-round pick. To get Claypool. Right.
1: yeah. the only thing you can read into that. Well, I think there's two things, right? So I think one, you're right about them getting something for Roquan Smith before they had to deal with his contract. Yep. But but I think I, I think what it says to to us is that they're doing everything they can to give weapons to, to Justin Fields. That they're all in yeah. on Fields. Yeah. He's the future of their franchise. And that they're gonna do whatever they can to put those weapons there. That doesn't mean it will work out. But I think it's about – there's a guy that's, a, that's available. Yes, I think they've overpaid for him in terms of a, a, a draft pick. In their eyes, it's got to be about we're going to give that guy as many weapons as we can. This is the start. So it still wouldn't surprise me, even though they've now got Mooney and Claypool, that they draft a wide receiver high as well. Because so I, I think they're just going to go all out and give Fields whatever weapons they can.
2: And they should. I mean, he didn't have enough. And I get it from that perspective, but I don't know that. Did you get better as a team? They clearly think they don't have enough weapons. They couldn't pay Roquan Smith, but now their defense isn't as good. You know, I don't know if you got in the aggregate. I don't know if you got better. There's other trades and stuff that happened, but let's leave those alone because they don't really affect the Packers in any way. Uh, Josh Sitton and Jordy Nelson are inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame. Do the Packers have to induct people every year into their Hall of Fame?
1: They don't have to, but I think the I think the waiting list is huge. Sure. I, mean, I think you've got to get guys off night. the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sometimes surprised, and, and they've done this in the last few years that it's only been two guys. You know, I think what this past year was Greg Jennings and Timmy Harris. The last few years, it's been two guys, and the waiting list huge. I mean, you think thing players like I don't know Nick Barnett for example is not right. in there. And that's one of the recent guys. And, and you know, there's going to be guys in, coming up in the years to come, Clay Matthews, et cetera, et cetera. Those other guys from that 2010 team and around that era, you know, and there's guys going back as well that you think, oh, well, it's a surprise that so-and-so is not in. So I think there's quite a big list. Yeah, I think they're going to continue to do two, three every year.
2: Josh Sitton is kind of a question mark for me. I mean, he's a he's an offensive Agreed. lineman, so it's tough, right? It's hard. You don't have stats. He played on a pretty good line. Like I don't know, I I don't yeah. see him as a Hall of Famer, a Packer Hall of Famer, but whatever. I mean, yeah. When I saw
0: the him. name too, I was kind of like, huh? and then I saw Jordy Nelson next to it, I was like, eh, a little different there.
1: Yeah, they don't feel he, like the no, same Nelson is either.
0: a is a no brainer.
1: I guess when you look at Josh Sitton, he, he had a decent career. So he played eight, eight years with the Packers. Was a first team All Pro twice a second-team All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler. And then you compare that, probably you'd have to go back quite some time, probably, to find an offensive lineman in Packers history as a four-time Pro Bowler, for example. Okay. I know the Pro Bowl isn't necessarily the be-all and end-all, but Marco I think you probably, you've probably got to go, go back a long time to find one that went to the Pro Bowl four times.
2: Okay. Stand corrected. I did not know no, that no, Jeff no, sitting was no. a four-time pro bowler. So now I understand it, and I'm with you. Oh,
0: Belaga. Where's he sit?
2: I think he was a one-time pro bowler.
0: Oh. No.
2: If I'm not He's mistaken.
0: Hurt. He's hurt so much. I mean, there's... Yeah. Very
2: good player. So we have our challenges to finish off the slices. Aiden Hutchinson has not recorded a sack since he last week and neither did it for oh. sean gary who was really bad in this game we'll talk about that in a minute oh yeah so as of right now todd is going to do the polar plunge and so am i because i somehow i made my picks they did not work this week that doesn't mean i'm going to beat peter anyway last week i got zero picks in even though i did it twice nonsense fuck you espn I <laughs> guess I'm doing the polar plunge for sure because I'm like 20 behind Peter who is kicking the crap out of everyone yeah, still.
1: The same problem that Todd, Todd was having. Todd couldn't get his picks in either. Yeah, yeah,
2: just, yeah. it's I'm him. All, Todd I'll, and I are I'll, at I'll, the yeah. bottom of the list. Thanks, Dan Doyle <laughs> for being in it and Eric Kleinschmidt for being in it because you are still lower than us. So we love you for that.
1: You've been sent to the practice squad, guys. That's where I belong.
2: All right, questions from friends. Peter, this one is for you because this is English. English. I sent this to you during the week. Rob from across the pond says, "Right now, would our situation be best suited for good side playing bad,
1: or bad side playing good?" <laughs> there you go. I, 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 Rob. I think if we're honest, I think this is it's an it's an average. It's an a, The Packers are right now are an average team playing less than average. That's how I would answer that question. I I, I think there's nothing to say right now despite what we thought coming into the season that this is a good team i think this looks like an average team that's playing below average
2: physically talented team that doesn't make you a good football team
1: yeah and you, and i think you know you go back to look at the teams that they've beaten and look at the teams that they've lost to every team that's that's currently got a winning record that the packers have played they've lost to and on that basis that puts them around the the average to below average mark Right now, it may yet get better.
2: So Rev Trev sent us a bunch of questions. One of them we sort of answered, did the Bears and the Vikings get better at the deadline? Do you think the Packers would have made the playoffs if they would have landed Chase Claypool instead of the Bears?
0: No, absolutely no. You know, there's more systemic problems on this team than just adding a wide receiver issues on the offensive line. You have a young, untalented wide receiver core you have tackling issues on the defense, you have a defensive coordinator who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, you have people who are underperforming on the defense, you have people who aren't really believing in the team right now, so no.
2: And I will argue to my dying day that Chase Claypool isn't a number one wide receiver anyway, so now you've added a two minus or a one plus to your a one minus or a two plus to your roster. I don't think he's good enough to ever carry a team. No. So another question from Rev Trev, I'll take this one. Are we going to keep running the ball like we did in the bills game? I think we should, but I think Aaron Rodgers will get bored of that and it will not happen. So the answer, I think they should. I don't think they will. On top of that, Todd, this is for you. Cause you're a big Mike McCarthy guy. Just remember this. Hound sent me this. I don't remember when, so here it goes. <laughs> Hound said to me, if Mike McCarthy was the coach, knowing what you know about Mike McCarthy and his past and what he does now with Dallas, if he decided to run the football, would the Packers be more likely to run the football with Mike McCarthy as the coach or Matt LaFleur as the coach? Did that make sense? Right now. If Mike McCarthy was the coach of the Packers, would the Packers be running the football more than they are?
0: I think there was a lot of conflict with McCarthy and Rodgers for sure. And what Rodgers was calling on the field versus what McCarthy was calling from the sideline. There's a different relationship. Let's put it that way. I mean, McCarthy did have a player coach relationship. LaFleur has a player coach friend relationship with Rodgers. So it's like, Oh, let's figure this out instead of just, this is what we're running. I'm the coach here the player.
1: My my immediate thought was I think McCarthy would run the ball more. However, having said that, he didn't over- overuse Aaron Jones when when
2: he was there yeah. he was there. So,
1: um I'm not 100% certain, but my gut feel says I think McCarthy probably would run the ball more.
2: He would call more run plays maybe. Okay, okay. that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I mean. They may yes. not get to the field cuz Aaron would decide to do something different. And do exactly what he's always done. Last question is from Paul across the pond. Paul, thank you. By season's end, do you believe that the teams in the NFC 6 and 7 spots for the playoffs will be stronger than the teams in the 1 and 2 spot? So Philadelphia is the 1. They're 7 and 0. The Vikings are the 2. And right now, the Giants are the 6 at 6 and 2. And the 49ers are the seven spot. I'm going to give you some time to think about that. But the Packers are only a game out of the playoffs right now. They are the 10th spot at three and five behind the Commanders, the Rams, and the Bucks. But anyway, the question is, will the 49ers and Giants be better than the Philadelphia Eagles and the Vikings at the end of the
1: season? I think always with the teams that get into the playoffs, and we don't know who's going to be in those slots at that point in the season, but I think always with the teams that get into the playoffs, it's the ones that are playing well at the time, regardless of which slot they're in. You know, when the Packers won the Super Bowl in after the 2010 season, there was the whole run the table thing. So the Packers were winning, were playing good football and playing winning football at the point they got to the playoffs, even though they were the number six Seed, and there are teams that we've seen that have started, you know, seven and zero, or six and one, or nine and or whatever, that have started the season fantastically, but got gradually worse as the season's gone on, and gone into the playoffs as the number one or number two seed, but are playing not such good football at that point in the season. So, I, I think it just simply depends on who's in that six and seven slot at that point in the season and what they've been doing to get into that six or seven spot. I think the 49ers look dangerous with McCaffrey i mean and by the way he's on
0: my fantasy team and he threw Um, a
2: touchdown too this weekend i know he
0: got me 40 (laughs) it was crazy but garoppolo is serviceable shanahan is a genius and he's got yes he is genius all right continue he's a genius He's more, at, Dale is
2: currently looking up Kyle Shanahan's record as a head coach. Continue.
0: He's trashed Lafleur every single time. They just have a lot of the pieces that you need. If they stay healthy, I, I think the 49ers are a real threat.
1: It's less than five hundred, right? Without looking,
0: we'll see. He is happen.
1: forty-seven and forty-eight, including the playoffs. Kyle Shanahan,
2: super genius. <laughs> like Kyle. Look, look, look
0: at all. Look at all the. I'm not going to defend him, but like the, the man doesn't have a quarterback. He had one, they drafted one, he got hurt, they had to go to the secondary. I mean, he's pieced it together and he blocked their fucking punt. Okay? <laughs> he blocked their uh, punt.
2: <laughs> it sent us into this tailspin that we're in now.
0: How difficult was that oh, coming gosh, into Green man. Bay in a snowstorm? And they sucked last year. They weren't they weren't a good team, but he pieced it together. They did. He he outcoached Lafleur every single time he's faced him. So
2: injury updates, Devondre Campbell walked off the field with ice on his knee. He is a maybe questionable for this game. Christian Watson is in the concussion protocol. Packer fans are already starting to beat up on him. Even his mom got on Twitter and started like firing back at people. A concussion is different than an injury, right? Like a hamstring and a concussion are not that you can't stop a guy from hitting you. I'll just leave that alone. I don't know if he's going to play. Kyle I mean, Hill. He, go ahead.
0: You know, it, it's weird because especially when you're coming off an injury and then you're healthy and then something else goes, like, it's the NFL. You know, these things happen, especially when it goes to the head. I mean, I'm not – I am defending them. Like, it's yeah, – Hey, you got hit the in the head. NFL. What are you going to do? Come on. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I came off the hamstring, was healthy, looked good, looked fine. Boom, just, and, it, and that's just the NFL—how how things work. And I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate. Just like, terrible
1: bad luck. Nothing. It is. But it really is.
0: And you can see the faces of the other players on, on with the Packers. They're just like, "Oh, come on!" It, yeah. it was legitimate,
1: right? You could see the hit. It, it was not. It, it was de- a definite ding in the head and a double hit of that, because he got hit in the head and then hit his head on the on the ground as he went down. It was correct.
2: My concern for Christian Watson is. Bro, you better keep your head up. Yeah. Because his body folded over the top of him. Like his helmet got caught underneath and he rolled over the top. Man, you you can't do that stuff in the NFL. Your core and your spine has to be in a straight line. I'm sorry. You cannot be bent over like that and expect. Expect not to get hurt. I'm hoping he's better. I'm not blaming him for the hit. I'm just saying like, that's something you got to fix or you're going to be hurt a lot. You're going to have a lot of neck injuries in your career if you don't fix the way you're running with the football.
0: Well, you always see veteran receivers when they're coming across the mid or whatever, and and they they can anticipate something's going to happen, but they know that they need to catch the ball and they're going to tuck. And get down. They're going to tuck down. They're going to tuck their chin to their chest and they know they're going down and, and there is no yards after catch. They know it, and they're getting down.
2: And Chris Barnes has started to practice, too, like Kylan Hill. With the injury situation in the linebacker room, does he need to come back? I mean, clearly, if he's not healthy, he can't. But with Quay Walker, not hurt, but Devondre Campbell being questionable, it'd be nice to have a guy who's played considerable snaps and Chris Barnes to be able to come back onto the field. So I welcome Chris Barnes. I know. We know you hate Quay Walker. He's, yep. the new, he's the new, he's a new guy to be beaten up on. I get it? All right, let's get on to the game. Bills twenty-seven, Packers seventeen. I'm not sure that that score is indicative of how close or far away this game was. Peter, let's start with you. Offensively, what was exciting for you? What was the good?
1: There was a number of goods. The running game, I think, is the place you have you have to start. Everybody's been calling for that all season. Yeah, some of it was situational because a lot of you know a number of those yards came in the second half when the Bills were playing. Too deep and basic basically you know giving up on stopping on stopping the run pretty pretty much. But even so, you know, they racked up 200 plus yards on the ground with some nice runs and then you know without stealing everybody else's thunder on throw in obviously the catch by Dubs for the touchdown and and, Tor- and Torre's route and catch, which were which were both sensational.
0: I don't want to take any theme away from Dub's catch because it was great, but I feel like He turned the wrong way and then he recorrected and then caught it. Am I the only one that thought that or that's what it looked like. But either way, he needed that and Rodgers needed that with him. So
2: it was a nice catch. Yeah. I am more impressed with the Samari Touré catch because that shows, I don't know what the word is, veteran presence for a guy that's young. He realized that the guy was starting to run to the corner and he cut his route off and ran back the other way. And Rodgers went over to him and you know, Rogers is like, that's the kind of shit I've been waiting for out of any of you motherfuckers, because none of you do that. None of you seem to be able to break a route off and go in the direction where there's an opening. Now, do I want Rogers running around back there for his life, trying to make plays like he did five years ago? I don't think so because he's almost 40 But when the line isn't that good on any given week, and we've talked about that ad nauseum, I think he's going to have to make plays, extend them with his legs and try to make those throws.
0: It looked right. like on, on that on that particular play that they were talking to each other the entire way. It looked like that. Like there was communication. They knew what each other was going to do. And, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly yeah. my point. And, and I mean, it, and if that's that, we need to capitalize on that.
1: I think you raised a, a great point, which you raised last week as well, about Rodgers moving a little bit. You know, they on, did on move that, the pocket, that, pocket in this game. Yeah, times. they moved the pocket this week you know and on that play yes he had to avoid the rush and whatever and whatever else but he's always been more effective when he's been on the move anyway and i know he's 39 and everything else and i know he's not going to run like he did when he was 29 but they have to keep him moving because that gives the opportunity for young wide receivers to make plays like like Torrey did guys that are not perhaps getting immediate separation have got more chance to to make that separation and get, and get open. So that, that was a huge positive.
2: So if you were to just look at the numbers of this game, the Packers won this game, right? Yeah. They won the total really? battle. They had the ball more often. <laughs> they ran the ball yeah. for like a million yards, and they lost 27-17. Yeah. Really kind of bizarre. And it never it looked like – I never felt like the Packers were going to win this
1: game. It wasn't even a close 10-point loss, was it? No. It was, right,
0: yeah. You know, it, it seemed it, like it was, a blowout.
1: <laughs> and it
0: was it was actually very close.
2: Right. I mean well, we'll get into it later.
0: But the bad offensively one, one last one, one last oh, thing sorry. on on the offense as far as good. I think everybody all fans and everybody's been getting on about you know how we're not using Aaron Jones and you see this, right? But like some of the runs that he had there was nothing there. I mean, he was making those gains in in a lot of situations where there clearly wasn't any holes to run through. And he was just doing that all on his own from pure effort. Again, he's the playmaker. The only downside that I see is like the hits that he takes. He's a small guy. I, I just cringe every single time he gets wrapped up. Incredible game for him. Best game of the year.
2: I'm going to start with the bad. And it's uh, not, I it's got a my it's,
0: quarters ready too. It's
2: one bad play that was really kind of like, wow. And maybe you got this in the ugly. I don't even know. But Von Miller absolutely mangled yeah. Yash Nyman on that fourth down play.
0: No, it was the entire right side of the line, not just Nyman. He took the
2: whole line man, into the pile.
0: Yeah, Von Miller is not
2: a massive human being. He's a good player, but he's he should not be blowing anybody into the pile at that play. That is bad technique on Nyman's. And I get it. He's six, seven or six, eight or whatever. It's hard to get down that far. Then put your fucking hand down. It's fourth and one. And I don't even know if he had his hand down or if he was in a two point stance. And I guess I should have looked at that before I talked about it, but that should never happen to you as an NFL lineman. No one should be able to run your ass straight over on fourth and one. That should never collapse
0: the fucking guard into the center and and like the entire fucking play. It's fourth and one. He knew it was going to be a fucking run play. I mean, it it was telegraphed.
2: That was very frustrating. Peter, continue. Well, I will pick up on that point. I thought it was a terrible
1: play call. So absolutely, ninety-two guys in the box. Right. Exactly right. right. I was going to say ten, but it but it looked like ninety-two. Everybody was in the box. You you know, there's lots there's lots of different things you can do with that. But let me tell you. If that's Buffalo, if that's Baltimore, if that's Kansas City, if that's Denver, if that's Chicago, if that's Minnesota, I'll tell you what they do. They don't even hand that ball off. No. Quarterback runs end, around the, quarterback the end. end. Goes around the end and probably runs for 15 yards, if not more. If it's Lamar Jackson, he probably scores. But he does you know, score, I yes. Know. <laughs> I know we're talking about a 39-year-old quarter, quarterback here, but we're talking about one yard. And – the quarterback goes around the, the end there, untouched, absolutely untouched. Yeah, because Von and, um, Miller crashed down on the play. There's nobody else yeah. out there. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing I, do. I just, for the life of me, cannot understand. Yeah, you know, that the, when you're in the midst of the game and your thought process is, we're running the ball well, we're running the ball well, we're running the ball well. But when you look at it and when you look at that situation, it's almost like, is there no audible out of that play? And I guess there wasn't. Because you know you Aaron
2: Rodgers would, right? Yeah, <laughs> He's
1: yeah,
2: done it, it eight it, million times.
1: It, it, I just, that's it's frustrating. It's, it's, it's frustrating. Zach Tom is
2: not a large man. He is an athletic man. I don't know if he is a guard. There were a lot of nice runs to his side. I will say that. And that man can move his feet. And there was one run that I think Mark Schlereth put on Twitter. The blocking on that play was only done because the Packers have very athletic guys on their offensive line. It was an Aaron Jones run, multiple things going on. Zach Tom was involved in it. I want that guy to play. I am just not sure that guard is the spot. And I know Jenkins was hurt. So that changes things. And do I want Tom out there instead of Runyon and Newman? Oh, fuck, yes, I do. So I guess I'm talking out of both sides of my ass right now. But I don't know that Zach Tom is a guard. Peter, I always defer to you on these things. You tell me that I'm wrong or right about Zach Tom. Where does Zach Tom
1: belong, or is it just a part-time thing for him? I think the first thing is the guy's never played guard, or he didn't play guard in college. So... And you know he didn't play it in high school. <laughs> right. So, that's, so, so that's, the, that's the first thing. So we're asking the guy to play a brand, a brand new position. So that's, that's the first thing. For me, he's a center. And that's because... So part of his difficulty last weekend is he got completely overpowered by Ed Oliver, right? And they lined up they lined up Oliver right over him. Now, what you tend to see in the NFL, even teams that play the 3-4, tend to offset the nose tackle. So very rarely does the center have somebody lined up directly over him, who's going to overpower him. Very rare. And so I think to me, you know, you talked about the size of Zach Tom. He was very effective at Wake Forest as a centre in his junior year and prior to his senior year. Played really well at tackle in his senior year and everybody's looked at his senior year and sees him as a tackle or a tackle that you can move inside to guard. For me, as a centre. Centre's his number one position. Now, that's probably not helpful to the Packers in the. The center position is the one position on that offensive line that's that's their most steady position right now I would say given injuries elsewhere and, and everything else and so I think it's I think it's difficult to find the right spot for Zach Tom but I agree with I agree with you Dale that, that you want to get him out on the field if you if you can I almost think that they're stuck with Josh Myers he's not
0: great but if they when he start to move the pieces around if he you can't step, go anywhere can't...
2: else right
0: right right so he's kind of there and he doesn't ha- and he's not great so everyone's got to move around him and uh, I, I mean it, and if it made made sense for tom to yeah. to go to center that's not going to happen this year no yeah. just or it, anytime it, it soon. clearly won't because right what do but you do with josh it,
2: myers it, it, put him on a bench you can't do that right i, I yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally agree he's with not you serviceable
1: talking. spot on spot on
2: and sammy Watkins. fuck sammy Watkins. Before Randall Cobb got hurt, Randall Cobb looks faster than Sammy Watkins on the football field. Easily. Sammy Watkins looks like he's about 20 pounds overweight. He just looks like an average, below average wide receiver. They're gonna keep him on the roster because it there's no reason to cut him. They don't, the money savings isn't worth it at this point. He is nothing yep. right now. He is not going to give you anything that Randall Cobb couldn't. And I was a big hater on Randall Cobb. And I didn't think he was going to be anything. But he looks like he's lost weight, gotten quicker. Sammy Watkins looks like he ate somebody. The,
0: the other part... I wanted to bring up too bad just from you know just like the scheme how the game was going the run game was working but when you're in the fucking third quarter and you're calling run play after run play after run play and it's working you're biting chunks of the yards off but you're down by fucking 17 points might want to mix in a pass at some point when you have people on the defensive side of the ball asking your quarterback, hey, when are you guys going to start throwing the ball? And he's kind of like with his hands up in the air. I don't get it. They found something that worked. They went to it and they just got drunk with it. It only mattered when they got in the fourth quarter when it, when they had to like hurry up. Because every time they were running the fucking ball and they were having gains, they're just draining the fucking clock. I don't know how many quarters that was. I'm just going to throw the rest. <laughs> it was I, working I, I, but as it was
1: working it was draining the fucking clock i agree with you 110 percent. and here's what leaves a bad taste in my mouth coming out of this game was that they very clearly in my view played not to get blown out they I did totally not play agree. that's the thing that leaves the worst taste in my mouth because they very clearly in my view just just played to keep the score as close as they could rather than try to win i've had a problem with the inability of the packers for a number of years to hurry up when they need to hurry up yeah. i think their hurry up offense is the slowest hurry up offense i've ever i've ever seen and i think it was deliberately worse this past game and and yeah you're absolutely right they got a the running game going and that was fantastic and whatever whatever else
0: even when they were in the fourth quarter and they knew it was press time we got to hurry things up like peter said they Actually, weren't hurrying things up at all. Well, they were still bleeding the clock. It was kind of like a in betweener of normal versus hurry up offense. It was kind of like this: all right, let's get up there and like a little bit early. Not bleeding the clock. Even zero, that, yeah. even that pace, though, shed light on the fact that I was thinking, huh? It might have been two things going on at once. It might have been the Bills are in a, a preventive defense, but it looked like. We had some type of sink going on. We had a pace going on. Like, things were starting to happen. I will move on to defense. The good, this is
2: a team we thought was going to run 70 up on the Packers, right? Now, granted, the Packers had the ball the majority of the time, so they couldn't score 70. They had two picks in this game. Brazil Douglas made a nice play on the ball. What else? But he sucked. Rasul Douglas is... The second, third corner. That's something we got to talk about after the season is (laughs) over, too. With no Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker, I agree with you, Todd. You put this in the notes. McDuffie and Wilson played well, considering they are not guys. Wilson is a special teamer, and so is McDuffie, really. They're both on the team to play special teams, and I thought they played well. Peter, this is something that's going to be in my head till the end of time. You said that Isaiah McDuffie plays like his hair is on fire. And I think that's great. Like you need a guy like that that's overplaying his physical skills because he just keeps on coming. And I don't know that the, the Packers have a lot of physically talented guys that don't seem to play better than their physical abilities, whereas I think Isaiah McDuffie does and did in this game. And Eric Wilson played well, too.
0: I think Wilson is is also a hair on fire guy. I think they're very similar. I mean, I, I don't know if it was an upgrade, but like when Quay Walker, and we'll get into this in, in a second about being a fucking idiot. To think that, you know, after Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell went out in the first half and you've got two backup linebackers and they only allow three points in the second half to the best team in the NFL, the best offense in the NFL, the number one ranked quarterback in the NFL the number one ranked receiver in the NFL there there's something there maybe I think
1: you're right I think that that Wilson and Isaiah McDuffie did a good job under difficult circumstances I think the Bills completely took their foot off the gas in the second half they didn't have the ball that much either I think the two interceptions that the Packers had late in the hut were, were both nice plays but those kind of masked what was really going on there because because it you know, had, had the had Buffalo scored, you know, oh, they were yeah. at first and goal or whatever it was, right down there at the start of the fourth quarter, all of a sudden it's 34-10 or whatever, and that kind of seemed closer closer reflection to what the game what the game was. But yeah, I mean, it's difficult to pick out too many positives out of the defensive performance, even though they held Buffalo to 27 points. I felt like watching that game. If Buffalo had needed to score 47, they would have scored forty-seven. They would have scored as many as they as, as, as they needed to score. And we ha- we haven't yet mentioned the the play of our safeties. On what you were talking about, Peter, I think
0: too is as much as Josh Allen is touted as the next you know superstar quarterback of this league, you saw a, a glinch of him making indecisions, wrong decisions in the wrong times. I mean, those were horrible interceptions when he could have closed this fucking game out as much as he's touted as, as like the next big thing i think there's still a lot of developmental issues with him and we took advantage of it
2: i don't want to go into the quay walker thing i don't i thought that was a coach that was in actually the guy that quay walker pushed was like a guy that was injured He was he was a dude i don't know like, I don't, what are you what are you doing
0: dude i don't know what I, are I you doing i have less What's the second game in a row second game guys. in a row that he's done this he's frustrated because he's not playing well he's frustrated because the nfl game is not what he thought it was going to be and he's getting on the sidelines and he's getting frustrated and that's what happens could be you got to be a bigger you got to be a bigger man i don't think i've ever seen publicly Lafleur crash a player like I saw this week where he was just like, that can't happen. And, and good on the floor. That motherfucker can't do that. And I don't care that he was out of the game at all. That he got ejected. I was like, great. Pull the next guy in. Because I'm sick of seeing Quay Walker. Do it again. Go push all kinds of fucking people. I don't fucking care. Dumbass.
2: I know that for sure. I wouldn't tolerate that. But I like a little bit of fire. You got to know when to put that back in your hat, though. And hold on. Yeah. To it. And that's what you're saying. And I get it. I think- and we don't know what was said. It does look like that guy was trying to help him up, but it, it might be something else. It
1: totally why, did.
2: Why would Walker, if the guy was trying to help him up, why would Walker push him?
1: I think Todd got it. I mean, I think it was just fr- complete frustration. And, th- and there's a certain there's a certain irony, which is hit somebody on the field for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the that's the that's true. the the irony. Amen. For the love of God, you
0: have one of the worst PFF grades in, you know, defending the run. But you're going to push some fucking like third string or fourth string fucking tight end that's in sweats. He's <laughs> just standing there trying to help you get up.
2: Dumbass. W- worse than that, though, has got to be the play of Darnell Savage. Now, I know oh, that the one play they're going to keep showing over and over Jesus. again is the complete Kevin King whiff of Josh Allen. I feel like Savage wanted to miss him on that play. Like, I don't want any do part of this. I do too. I'm done yeah. with Darnell Savage. Fuck him. <laughs> I mean,
0: fuck him. <laughs> He's got to fucking go. I mean, if there's ever a player, uh, I mean, him and Lowry. Uh, and oh, we didn't we'll even talk to Lowry about Lowry in what, a what second, you're... but I mean, so, w- <laughs> the the point is
1: god god damn it. What, what you're suggesting about what you're suggesting about Savage is that his tackling doesn't quite live up to his name. Is that what you're saying? No.
2: <laughs> he has never been a savage the entire career. His no entire career. Play. He's
0: awful. He, they, they have options. They have better options on this team. And fucking stupid ass Barry, who doesn't know his fucking head from his ass, does not know how to make a personnel change or a scheme change. Savage has to go. That fucking play is unacceptable. And it's, he is one of the lowest ranked safeties in the league. In the league. And he was a number one fucking pick. He's a fourth-year guy. They picked up there. his
2: fifth-year option, too, which doesn't seem like a great plan at he this point either. fucking sucks.
1: He has to go.
2: Peter, any thoughts on any of that before we move on?
1: The only concern is, is well, one of the concerns is what you just touched on, that they picked up his fifth-year option because it's, it's so difficult to work out what the heck the plan is here. Because right. I've, I've, I've yeah. completely lost, you know, as a wider huh. point, what is the plan? Lane. I've completely lost track of what the, what the plan is here.
2: And that's part of the problem. There has been a lot of rumblings that the players on defense are really starting to get sick of Joe Barry's lack of whatever. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about. And this goes into what you put in the notes, Todd, too. And I don't understand it. Maybe Peter can put some rationalization to all of this. You decided that Jair is going to follow the best wide receiver around and then he's following Gabe Davis all over the field. Now Gabe Davis is averaging like 70 yards per catch, so maybe there's something to that. Isn't he a straight-line burner? Davis, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but if you're going to put the fast guy on the fast guy running straight in a, in a straight line, isn't Eric Stokes the guy you want running in a straight line with Gabe Davis because Stefan Diggs, while he isn't DeVonte Adams, has DeVonte Adams type nifty feet where he's going to make you miss if you try to put your hands on him. Isn't that Jair Alexander's skill set also to follow guys like that? That was very strange to me. You've decided to put Jair on the best wide receiver, and, but not in this game. We're going to put it on the number two guy and not the number one guy. And Diggs torched the Packer. That was
0: completely
2: I that so hard like to coming down.
0: through the fucking screen at Barry when I, when I initially saw like what was going on. Like why in the fuck is Douglas covering Diggs? And it's like, okay, that's obviously not working. I mean, wh- what type of fucking game tape do you have to look at to understand that that's a complete m- mismatch? It's a complete fucking mismatch.
2: Anybody that plays you fantasy so football flanky. knows that.
0: You got fucking the, the other dude. Like, put him on there. The game plan and the protocol is from this this point forward, you got your best fucking corner in Alexander. You got a fucking dangerous wide receiver in, in fucking Diggs or whoever the fuck it is. They're one-on-one. And from that point on, the defense gets sculpted around that. That's it. Not like, oh, well, he's in the slot and, like, it's not his guy. Fuck that. What, what the fuck are you talking about, Barry? You need to be fired. Dumbass, motherfucker! Dude, I'm around a quarter for you,
2: Peter. Let's move on to special teams. We're way long into this show. Right.
1: <laughs> I, I, there's not a lot to say. I mean, I was I was thinking going into this game. You know, we've been talking a lot about Amari Rogers returning punts. Well, I was thinking going into this game, we won't have that problem this week.
0: No, we'll they won't punt. Oh, all right, right.
1: <laughs> but you uh, wouldn't think so. <laughs> But in all seriousness, and there isn't a lot to say about the special teams this week other than, you know, as we've all talked about before the show, that the chances of Mason Crosby making that field goal in that stadium with those no. conditions from 55 yards was, let's just say, the chances were not very high. More chance of me winning the lottery this week, I would suggest. Yeah, you get game
2: situation get it. of it,
1: right? I get like, it from a game 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 situation point of view. But at the end of the day, if his chances of making it a you know a really slim five percent, right? Just just throw the ball into the end zone. You've probably got more chance of catching a hail mary into the end zone than you have him making that field goal. Amen. Keyshawn Nixon
2: had a nice return. Put Keyshawn Nixon back there on punts and kicks and just let it fly, because Keyshawn Nixon wants to run the football out of there. Where Amari <laughs> is like, oh fuck that. I'm going to look like oh, touchdown yeah. Jesus and put my arms out to the side and hope that thing makes it over the line. I know I feel confident he'll catch the football and maybe he'll run it out because that was a really nice return. I didn't it was see a great the hole. return.
0: And then there was a fucking hold.
2: I don't I mean, I'm, what I'm well, saying I is I wonder who who if the, the hold matters but... or not or if he saw that hole and ran to it. I don't know
0: even who, who got called for holding. who gives a shit. So just going back to the 55-yard field goal, the reaction of the three, they just all kind of, like, huddled up together, like, the fuck's going on? (laughs) Like, and I was wondering the same thing. Like, I I knew for a fucking, like, second, there's no way you're going to kick this field goal and be successful. And then afterwards, there's no conditions going on in Buffalo Stadium. There's no wind, which is unusual. It's a normal kick, fifty-five yarder, and then they're all standing there looking at each other like, "Fuck, what happened?" Fire, Misasio. Fire everybody. Uh, so the Detroit Lions are up next
2: on the schedule. The Lions are one and six, which is the worst record in all of football. Even worse than the Houston Texans. They fired their defensive backs coach. They traded away their tight end. Feel that like there's a promising outcome for our Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Who scares you? Is it former Packer Jamal Williams? Or because we've talked about the Packers are going to beat the Packers. Is there anybody on that team that scares you, Peter, on the Lions roster?
1: I wouldn't say there's one particular player that scares me. But what I will say is offensively, the Lions are putting up a lot of yards, probably their points. And they were putting up a lot of points, but their points total doesn't reflect the number of yards that they're putting up. I mean, Jamal Williams is 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 having a very nice season, may even have a 1,000-yard rushing season if he carries on like he is. Amon Rassant Brown hurt, I think he was back this week. I don't think there's one particular player that scares me, but I think their offense is pretty efficient. With the Packers' defense right now, even when it does play well, it only plays well for a half at a time. That seems to be the modus operandi over the last few weeks the Lions are capable of putting up a lot of points on the Packers especially in Detroit and the Packers don't seem to be able to put up any points
2: so that's always a problem Packers have got to keep teams under 17 because they can't score over 17 It seems like in any game the guy that I'm looking forward to watching is Malcolm Rodriguez the linebacker who likes to hip toss linemen I'm really looking forward to him he wrestled and played at Oklahoma State and he wrestled so I can't wait to watch him play hopefully he hip tosses Josh Myers into a a very uh, minor injury and we can see Zach Thomas center and then I'll, then we'll see what we can do there. And we can see maybe moving him out of there. I don't know. The lions don't scare me, but the Packers scare me. That's where I'm at at this point. I have no idea what the Packers are going to do from week to week. It almost seems like the Packers have to play a perfect football game in order to win games. They can't make one mistake because once they do, the game is over. Packers won the turnover battle with Buffalo, and it still wasn't close. I hope Jamal Williams gets 100 yards and the Packers win. Like, I'm excited for Jamal Williams. It's a crazy season. It's been a long time, many, many, many years, where I just don't have any clue what the Packers are going to do from week to week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They've got an opportunity. I mean, that's what this week is. If there's a week coming off of four losses, and I don't even recall the last time that's happened, but if there's ever a week where they could write the ship, it's this week, but they have to not look past it and they have to really focus on, like, this is a leg- legitimate team and we have to, like, we have to do what we, you know, put together a, a solid game, get the fuck out of here and move on.
1: It's a pivotal week. I mean, they're drinking in the that... last chance saloon, and yes, yeah, they they have they have to win this week. And and of all the teams that you could be playing, albeit it's on the road, you could have picked a lot worse teams to have to play this week to be to be right in the ship. But it's one of those situations where if you don't write the ship this week, heck, you could end up with the, no, the the overall number one pick this year when you look at the rest of the schedule. Oh. You know, yeah, with, with Dallas of and games. Philadelphia and the Rams and all of those teams left to play. Tell so mm-hmm. like, you what, this really is last chance to learn time.
2: Yeah. So somehow the Packers are three and a half point favorites on the road at Detroit. Oh. Shouldn't this just be a pick game one, at this one game. point? Yeah. And the over-under is 49 and a half. The Packers can't score their 25? They can't. How? Oh. Let's just pick it. Let's just get done. Let's do this. Anybody want to go first? You want me to go first? Because I'm always wrong. Under Packers. So the Packers will cover the three and a half, Todd's saying, and they're going to go under the 49 and a half. Correct. I think the Packers win this game 20 to 17. That is the under and the Packers don't cover. Peter, you're last. Best for last.
1: So normally I'm wrong. I'm not very good about picking Packers games and normally I tend towards the Packers even when I think the Packers are, are going to lose other than last week. I think the Packers lose this game. I think this I think they're in a worse state than than we even we think they are. I think they're going to struggle to stop Detroit from scoring quite a number of points and I think I think Detroit wins this 28-20.
0: And as much as I want to crash down on you and disagree with you, I'm like, yep. How do you argue, right? I mean, yep. That sounds completely plausible. Great.
1: That's where we're at. (laughs) My hope, that's what I think will happen, but but my hope is, is the Packers come out on the opening drive score, get the ball back score, and they just completely blow Detroit out from that point. All right.
0: All right.
2: So, thanks for listening to episode 101 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Curly Lambo episode. Go, Paco. Go, Paco.
1: Go, Paco.